Right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start a new series out of the Sermon of the Mount. We're going to preach a few weeks on that, and I'm excited about that. It's one of the most uh, exciting sermons that's ever been preached by the greatest preacher that's ever walked this earth. His name was Jesus, amen? And you say, well, it was just teaching. Well, the Bible says it's a sermon on the Mount, so I'm going to call it a sermon, amen? It could be... Um, it could be um, uh, teaching too, amen. But but anyway, we're the we're the salt of the earth, amen. The only hope we have is that Christians will get a little saltier, you know, and be more faithful and have a greater testimony. Wasn't that a great message Sunday night? Uh, and I was very impressed with Brother Chase, even though he's my son-in-law. I had never heard him preach. I don't think maybe one time. Uh, not um, no grand grandchild, yeah yes yeah, that's it okay. Um, it's getting rough uh, on the mental the mental side of my mind, um, but I was more impressed with Ashley than I was him. Uh, she has a heart for missions and for God, and I found out something after the service. And somebody needs to do something about it right now. Uh, he has not got one church that's took him on yet, not one church, and. Uh, I sure would like our church to be the first church, Amen. wouldn't you? And so, uh, Brother Jeremy, do y'all need him down in South Africa and Ashley? Um, I know that Amy is mourning and really upset over a lot of things, but she's more upset over the fact that Emily's leaving her. Uh, Emily is her right-hand kitchen aide, uh, her uh, organizer, her shopper. And she bosses people around like Mark does. Amen. She gets the job done. And um, so Ashley will be a great help to Rebecca and to Amy. And uh, I think Chase will do something too. Amen. I think he really will. I think he'll, uh, in Peru, he was just really a soul winner and a preacher to youth. And it was a blessing. So um, why don't we be the first church if y'all would like that? Uh, I'm a little hesitant when it comes to our family, my family, but, you know, he's more than family. He's a... He's a missionary, and he came here honestly looking for it. And we're discontinuing five missionaries tonight. I'll tell you about it after we go off camera, because I don't want to hurt any of these uh, missionaries, but uh, three of them have resigned. Two of them's getting resigned by me uh, because of their attitude and their bad doctrine called Calvinism. And so we're not supporting them one day, uh, and then not one minute. And so um, we're dropping five, so we ought to take on one. That's a paid political announcement. Somebody make a motion. Okay, we got a motion by Brother Darrell, second by Brother Randy, and a whole lot of enthusiastic uh, people. And Brother um, Jeremy will say amen. All in favor of receiving this family as one of our missionary families, say amen. amen. And I want you to text Chase right now and tell him he's just got his first church. That's the only person that has permission to do texting while I'm in the text. Amen. I pray that your phone blows up if you ever text while I'm texting. I mean, while I'm uh, preaching from the text. Amen. And I've seen it. I have actually seen people uh, just getting with it. You know, I don't know if they're playing games or what. But, um, you know, um, in my day, we used to have pagers. And uh, there wasn't a phone booth around. We wouldn't return to call because we didn't like that phone booth. You know, it wasn't clean or whatever. And so, you know, it can wait unless it's, you know, your wife or husband. I wouldn't answer that thing while preaching's going on. Amen. 
But I want him to text him because I think that'll really encourage him and tell him uh, it's, a, it's a great uh, early wedding gift. And by the way, the church gave a tremendous offering, $750. So y'all must have really liked it. I'm amazed at y'all's giving to missions. I really am. I'm amazed at that. And so let's pray that he'll get on the field uh, as soon as possible because I know that um, he sure preached a good message. And she sure seems like she has a heart for her husband, number one. And that's essential for them to stay on the field and a heart for the ministry of South Africa. And she better have a heart for that language. You want to hear a little of it? I'll let him preach the whole message in uh, Bungala, Bungala, whatever that is. Amen. Uh, he can speak it. I can't speak. I can't speak hillbilly. Amen. And I'm glad I don't have to uh, preach a foreign language. But let's stand all the Word of God if you don't mind. Are y'all tired tonight? I'm, I'm tireder, so uh, I'll sit and y'all stand. Amen. But anyway, uh, I'm older than anybody in this room. Guarantee. Well, you know, okay. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Okay, a few. One, one, two, three. Okay. I'm feeling younger all the time. Amen. Amen. I'm younger than Rose. She somebody said shook her head. Amen. But anyway, that's that's wonderful. Amen. I'm getting in trouble. Let's go to the text. Y'all read the second verse when I read the first. We'll do this responsively. I used to hate this when I was a Southern Baptist because I thought it was formal, but I like it now. Because it speaks to my heart. I'll, I'll start with the first. We're in Matthew 5. And seeing the multitude, he went up into the mountain. And when he was, he was set, his disciples came unto him. Verse 2, class. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. I've seen a lot of people with poor spirits, but poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the merciful, get that now, merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. And everybody read verse 16. stop right there. You may be seated. Father, please bless this message to be a blessing to hearts. Help us, God, to find out what Christianity is all about tonight. God, help us to realize who we are. God, you said we are the light and the salt of this world. 
And God, I thank you, Lord, for this analogy because it sure has challenged my heart to be that kind of Christian. So Lord, help us not to be question marks for God, but exclamation marks for God with these attributes and these attitudes that can make a difference. And we're going to praise you and thank you for all that you do in and through this series. In Jesus' name, amen. First 16 verses of Matthew chapter 5 describes the true Christian. And it deals with um, not only conduct, but attitude. You know, if your attitude's right, your actions will be right. And Jesus shows us two righteousness, and one is an inward, in chapter 5, verse 17 through 48. And he also talks about the sin that's inward, too. And he exposes the false righteousness of the Pharisees. It's easy to sit around and criticize people, isn't it? who taught that holiness consists in actions and sin was uh, just always outward. And so many make the mistake today and God looks on the ins- the heart, but there is where life is. It's the issues of life. Folks, if your heart's not right, it'll sooner or later come out in your actions. It'll be like poison ivy. It'll pop out all over you. Amen? And I'm going to tell you something, folks. The Beatitudes collectively... Is, is, is summed up in the first word of verse 3, blessed. It simply means a blessing. But it's not only that, it's a blessing to be a blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing. Um, Genesis 12, 2 uh, is one of my favorite verses in the Word of God because it talks about the stewardship of a Christian. And the Bible says this in Genesis 12, and I believe it's verse 2, let me see, yeah. It says this, um, it says that we'll, he said, I'll make thee a great nation, talking to Abraham now, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Now, folks, God never blessed you just to be happy. Now, it's the happiest, and listen, I want to say this, the most attractive thing about a Christian ought to be his love and his joy. If you're not joyful, you're a bad testimony. And I'm not talking about this flippant joy that, uh, and just smiling, uh, you know, um, by fake, faking it. But I believe you ought to smile by faith, not by fake. Amen? And I believe you ought to smile knowing that it's going to get better sooner or later, and especially when we get to heaven. Say amen. I'm thinking that heaven's getting sweeter all the time. As a matter of fact, a lot of my friends are going on to heaven uh, that I miss dearly. And some of them are about my age, and that warns me I ain't got long. And so, friend, listen, you need to be ready to go, and I don't want to waste a day on just being blessed. We're blessed to be a blessing. Um, the Bible says this. It says that um, we're filled with the Spirit of God to overflow. And I want to tell you this, friend. God has called you to be a blessing. Uh, Psalms chapter 1, you know the verse very very good, and uh, I mean the whole chapter, Psalms chapter 1, that's a great um, chapter to preach on. I believe Brother Blaine did last time he preached. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of godly, ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinner, nor sitteth in the cities of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And see, folks, there's an attitude there. There's a desire there. There's an appetite there. Folks, I want to tell you something. If you don't have the appetite for the things of God, you better check up and make sure you're saved. 
I guarantee you this, you're, sure, you're not close to being filled with the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God longs and yearns. It even says in James chapter 4, lust. That means yearns and desires that God get the glory in your life. That God gets the honor in your life. He wants prayers to be answered. That's why he escorts you into the presence of God. So the word beatitude is found in your Bible, is not found in your Bible, but the word blessing is. And folks, it means blessed to be a blessing. Blessed and entrusted to be a blessing. God has not blessed you just to be alive. God didn't bless you, pardon the expression, just to fill a pew. I'm filling more of the pew now than I did when I first came to this church. Amen? And uh, unfortunately, I want to fill less of the pew. But I want to tell you something. We're, we're called to fill it with other Christians and lost people and go after them and be uh, aggressive in the, in the adventure of being the salt of the world. God has called us to be salt. And um, I wanted to preach a, a series on how to be an attractive Christian. But I want to say this, friend. I, I want to be a, the kind of Christian that's described here, and I'll, I'll go to light next week. I want to be one that wets people's appetites for God. I don't want to turn people off. And I don't want to be a bad testimony to you. I want to say this, friend. The greatest thing you have going for you is your testimony. And if you lose it, you're in trouble. You're in big trouble because you have just lost the savor. The salt has lost its savor. And the Bible says it's good for nothing. Uh, a little boy asked his mother, Mom, would you give me a dollar if I'm a good boy? Um, but his mother replied, Son, why don't you act like your father and be good for nothing? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Y'all get that later, amen? And that's probably what some of your wives call you, good for nothing. But amen, we're good for something, amen? At least you've got lights and you've got a roof over your head, sister. But anyway, I want you to know this. Uh, salt is a miracle. Uh, you take table salt. It's actually sodium and chloride, which is used to play around. I used to play around with in the uh, chemistry class, and I was very dangerous in that class in high school. I won't tell you some of the things that I did. But class uh, would get the hydrogen and they'd drop the sodium into the water and it could get poisonous gas from the chloride that was made. And these are two dangerous elements if they're ingested either by itself, uh, it could kill you, matter of fact. These two elements of, of salt. But God in His chemistry has put them together to make something necessary for life called salt. In the same way God took your deadly part of, of you and me and through the chemistry of the cross, through the miracle of the blood, He makes something new and alive. Uh, I used to be dead in my sins and trespasses, but now I'm alive. Like salt, it was just clay, and now it's salt. Um... You know, it was darkness, and now we're light. There's a big difference in being lost and saved. And I believe that's the way you ought to live. I believe that is the, the challenge of the night's message about salt. I want to I just preach on verse 13. I'll back up and preach all the Beatitudes and the attitudes you ought to have, and they're inward that leads to outward. But, you know, you're the salt of the earth, but the salt has lost its savor or flavor, Wherewith shall it be salted? 
is henceforth good for nothing, but is to cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Next week, you're the light of the world. A city that is set up on a hill cannot be hid. And a lot of lights are blinking off and on. Amen? And a lot of lights have a bushel over them. You couldn't tell if a person's saved if you, if, you, if you put an investigation on their life. If you was put on trial, would there be enough evidence to convict you that you're a Christian? Does your calendar convict you that you're a Christian? Oh, here's one that'll get real touchy. Does your checkbook register, if you ever have one of those, it's probably all on computer now and phone, does that convict you that you're a Christian? I mean, how do you spend your money tells you where your heart is? Amen. If you're a Georgia Bulldog fan, you'll go over there and spend $100 on um, parking and tickets and sit in uh, some hot weather. I did the same thing, but UPS paid for it, so I took it, took them up on it. And um, because you're a fan. A fan means, uh, is the root word of fanatic. Fan means ardent follower. I'm a fan of the Bulldogs. I don't apologize for it. Some people criticize me for it, but I could be a fan of Tennessee. But anyway, I want you to know this. Folks, God help us to realize that we're not just playing a game here, and we're not to be spectators. We're to get involved in being salty. We're, we're to get involved in being a pungent testimony that makes a difference. And I want to give you a few things about the dynamics of pure salt. Did you ever wonder why Jesus used this metaphor in the Sermon on the Mount? Well, I'm going to tell you something. A lot of times, salt was so precious, and I got three or four sermons on this, and I'm trying to decide which introduction to use, um, and I guess I'll use them both. But uh, they, they have a phrase that comes from Bible times, you're not worth your salt. Uh, the word salt or salary comes from the root word salt. Uh, they sometimes got their salary with salt. Salt was very important. There was no refrigerators in the Bible days, best I can tell, amen? Uh, we had one that I thought came off the ark one time, and uh, you, know, you, know, you have more ice than you would product that's on the shelves, but it was, it was not that old. And so the importance of salt in Jesus' day is like gold. Pure salt was rare. It was a delicacy. It was often used as a medium of exchange. It was like money. And as a matter of fact, that's why the word salary comes from the word salt and the phrase, are you worth your salt? Um, I thought that was a South Georgia uh, logo. I didn't know that came from the Bible days. Jesus was saying, it's exceedingly valuable, your life. Folks, you are called to be the salt. You know, uh, number one, uh, and I hope it's big enough for you to see, I never know with these things I type up, and I'd leave it to Brother Cody to make it bigger or whatever, but salt seasons. Salt seasons. My, my, my wife loves salt. I accuse her of having a little french fries with her salt. <laughs> I have high blood pressure. It's getting higher every day, and, one, and I, I went to the uh, doctor today, and I said, uh, if I'd lose some weight, uh, I'd probably, my blood pressure would go down. He says, no, it's your occupation. Your blood pressure's never going to go down. <laughs> he said, you might want to exercise three times a week. And I said, well, could you fix this knee and these feet? And I will, amen? 
<laughs> but I won't, I, I won't try to tell you how pitiful I feel tonight. But I'm just saying, <laughs> folks, we're salt. We're salt. We're, listen, friend, God help us to realize that God has called us to make a difference. We're not just to sit here and occupy till death comes. We're to, we're to be salty. Um, Job 6.6 6 says, Can that which is unsavory be eaten without salt? Uh, folks, every Christian's life ought to be exciting to the bland life of lostness. I want to say this, and I, I don't mean to pick on anybody, but I could. We need to notify our face that we're saved. Say amen. A smile won't hurt anyone. Say amen right there. A nod of the head coming back up won't hurt anything. You ask these preachers like Brother Steve and others, we appreciate you looking like you're interested. Whether you are or not, just come in here and look like you're interested. It'll encourage the preacher. I appreciate the encouragement my grandson uh, uh, got and Ashley got, uh, and several people have always said it. Brother Austin says this is his favorite place to preach. And it's a compliment to you because you are receptive and you are serious, but you're not so sober that it looks like we showed up for some casket sitting down front. You know, amen. Some people are more excited at a funeral than they are at a worship service for a living God. He is not in a casket. He is not dead. He's a ro- he, he is on the right hand of God, and he's still on the throne. That ought to give you some peace. Amen. That ought to give you some, that ought to give you some joy. That ought to give you some anticipation, and it ought to challenge your heart to be salty. And then number two, salt preserves. How's it look up there? Yeah, pretty good. Salt preserves. Bold print preserves. Uh, when Jesus was talking about being the salt of the earth, he was standing by the Sea of Galilee talking to fishermen. They understood that salt acts as a preservative. They did not have coolers back then. Say amen. That's an anachronism if you ever see uh, something out of place and out of time. I learned that. That's the only thing I learned in college, four years. Anachronisms like the Maxwell House coffee can when they were dipping the water out of the boat. It's something out of place, out of time. And I want to tell you something, friend. They didn't have refrigerators. They had salt. Salt was essential to prevent decay. It restrained corruption. Now I'm getting somewhere because I want to say this, friend, our world's going downhill. Our world is decaying. I never thought I would live to see and hear the things that I see and hear every day on our news. Come on. I mean, California is going to fall off into the ocean if they don't watch it. The most corrupt, and they're all down there praising uh uh, 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 um, a governor that shut down churches and 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 uh, uh, financed abortionists. That's a, that's not right. That is that is shocking. Uh, it's a it's a it's a state where we got our wonderful vice president that has performed same sex marriages. 
I'm just telling it like it is. If you don't like it, get right with God. I'm just saying, friend, listen, uh, that's abomination. Two men get married. Two women get married. God, help. That makes me sick thinking about it. Come on. Amen. Can you imagine kissing something as ugly as your face? Men, good night. Good night. That's why women don't have mustaches or beards. Amen. It just... Uh, y'all get caught up in each other. But I'm just saying, you know, listen, friend, we need to see that salt preserves, salt prevents decay, salt restrains corruption, and there's a deadly decay that's moving over our country. There's a deadly corruption that's moving over our country. It's called a lack of righteousness. It's called the truth falling in the streets. It's called perversion. It's called reprobate mind. It's called de-evolution. We're entertained by sin. And the Bible says it's the last rung of, of, uh, of sin and de-evolution in Romans chapter 1, the last verse. So our culture's rotten. You say, I don't think you ought to be political. I didn't say one person's name. I did say their office. But I'm just saying this, friend. I won't apologize for it. It's rotten. Anything that stands against God's words, rotten. Anything that stands against God's plan for marriage is rotten. Anything that uh, stands for homosexuality is rotten. You say, aren't you afraid to lose your tax exemption? No! I preached this way when we didn't even have anything to be taxed. So I'm going to keep on preaching it. But I want to tell you something, friend. It's a shame and disgrace that we live in a day that's spoiled with sin. One out of two marriages are splitting up. That's not God's will. You look any way you want to, it's not God's will. Children are being abused. It's definitely not God's will. That's the saddest thing I've ever heard of. I was looking at a little uh, side this, uh, this afternoon and I thought, thank God he was spared from having to go in a home of two homosexuals, which defects allows now. It'd break my heart. It'd break my heart. Now he's so excited about coming to church. He's so excited about the Bible. He's learning to pray. Friend, listen. God help us to realize our country is rotten with sin. It's still the greatest country on this earth. If you don't like it, I can give you a one-way ticket to Moscow. Well, I can't give it to you, but we'll try to raise the money for you. But it'll be one way. <laughs> Praise God. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to tell that doctor to change this medication. I'm too blunt, amen? <laughs> Salt. Salt preserves. You are a preservative, but you're not a pickler. Amen? You're not to pickle everybody. You're not to bring everybody down and correct everybody. God help you. Talking to a guy the other day, I said, you are some self-appointed Pharisee, aren't you? It's your God's gift to stay home, do nothing, but debate the Word of God, debate how you get saved, and then uh, low-rate the man of God that's trying to do something. Get off his back. Yes. You say, you shouldn't talk that way. I'll talk that way if I want to, if it's my son-in-law. And tell him, you better, you better not touch him. You've crossed the line. You say, you threaten him? I don't have to threaten him. 
I can pray. God can stop somebody from trying to slaughter a man of God that's just trying to recover and do the best he can build a church and send more missionaries out. Breaks my heart. But that's the day we live in. So somebody's got to be salt. God didn't call us to be self-ordained Pharisees with our righteousness that's better than everybody else's righteousness. He dealt with that in verses, just a few verses. Then let me just say this, and this is a little unusual. Salt does what? It irritates. It irritates. Salt heals, but it irritates. Okay, I skipped heal. Okay, salt heals. Amen. Salt has an antiseptic property to it. Um, when I have a sore gum, I gargle. Gargle? Gargle? I can't say the word. Uh, I preached a lot of years and can't say that word. Um, I rinse my mouth out with warm salt water. There's nothing like it. Say amen. I love it. Now you swallow it, you're in trouble. Like one time I swallowed straight vinegar. But I was trying, I don't know why in the world I did that. That was the worst experience of my life. But anyway, um, salt has an antiseptic property. Second uh, Kings chapter 2, verse 19 through 22, Elijah once put a measure of salt into some polluted water and healed it from bitterness. So it was, a, it was a type of the salt of Christians that can go into a place and heal it. I'll tell you what, folks, we ought to be healers. I don't talk about these divine healers that make a million dollars traveling around the country. It, my, my question is, why don't they go down to Children's Hospital and touch some of those little babies that's got cancer? Instead of having a little show. Boy, I am, I am letting it rip tonight. Amen. Praise God. I'll amen myself on that one. But anyway, folks, only the gospel and people walking the walk and walking shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace can heal. There's a healing touch of the gospel. It can cure addiction. The gospel. Can somebody say amen that's been there? It can mend the brokenhearted. The gospel. The gospel can just change lives. I've been praying for some of my neighbors to be healed. They're on the vent. It doesn't look good. But I just want to give God the glory when they're healed. And if they don't get healed and they have the ultimate healing of heaven, we need to glorify God to, there too. Amen. We can't lose if we're Christians. Because he has touched our lives. And then let, the, let me get to the one that I skipped to. I guess I really want to get to this one because of my mood, but I'll try not to. Salt irritates. Salt irritates. I'll never forget this, Brother Steve. I was minding my own business down at Rocky Face Camp Meeting. It's really Brush Harbor. But it was a modernistic Brush Harbor because we was in the church service. Amen. I just heard Brother Sammy Allen preach. And I had this guy that looked like a biker sitting next to me that just got saved. And I invited him to come after the Sunday he got saved on Monday. And I won't tell you what Brother Sammy got down on, on that, that particular night. But it was it was that you shouldn't look like a hell's angel. But anyway, it was under the pew. And uh, the, next, the next sermon was this big old black preacher. And I don't say that, uh, you know I'm not racist. If I was racist, why in the world 
is my family over in South Africa. Amen? <laughs> but he was a big man. And he had like a tuxedo on. But what was really unusual about this guy is that he had a little bitty New Testament. His name was Reuben Fields. You ever heard of him? Amen. Rock of Ages probably had him before. Amen. They got more courage to have some people than we do. It's wonderful. And uh, he preached on, he told a talk sort of dignified uh, in choppy sentences. And he said, I want you to know this. When you get salt in your eye, you know it. <laughs> That's what I got out of the message. Amen. But he had a lot of other good points. But I thought that's the truth. You put, you put a little bit of salt in your eye, and man, it's the end of the world till you get that out. And you splash water, and you do everything you can. You cry for your wife to get the flashlight and look, you know, some of you baby husbands. And you know, it's salt. Mark chapter 9, verse 49 calls salt with fire. Salted with fire. I want to tell you something, and I'll just be honest with you. The truth of the gospel irritates the world. Amen. I want to tell you something. This liberal, ungodly, not conservative, and not biblical uh, politics that's going on today, they're irritated when a man comes on the scene and just says one word, Jesus. Praise God, he is our only hope. Jesus. He's still Lord, and it's still one nation under God, even though we're trying to bury him, because you can't bury him. And as long as there's Christians that are salty, we have hope of the next thing to penetrate this old world. Just a pinch of salt and a gallon of water permeates the whole thing. You ever notice that? Same way the gospel penetrates lies. I've seen the gospel change whole families, haven't you? Think about it. When my daddy was a drunk and wrecking cars and burning the house and drinking up our money to buy groceries. And some Fridays, Connie and I, and I mean, uh, Diane and I and my mama would be on our hands and knees looking for the paycheck, which had already been cashed on the way home, and trying to find it because we had no groceries. I'm telling you, friend, alcoholism is a wicked, terrible sin. It's liquid drug. Don't try to classify as a sickness. If it was sickness, you'd take a pill and it'd be done with. Or put a patch on, it'd be done with. But I want to tell you something, folks. It's a sin. And folks, I want to tell you this, though. When my daddy got saved, everything changed. I wanted to run away from home before he got saved, but after he got saved, I wanted to come back from Claxton, Georgia. I was a youth pastor down there for four years training for this position. This is my first pastorate. And I'd want to sneak home. And sometimes I'd come in and find my daddy awake and sitting up at 9.30 at night. That was a miracle. Because he always passed out in his plate and we'd carry him to bed. <laughs> Terrible. What liquor will do for you. And I'd walked in the house and there he is sitting on the couch and he's reading his big old black Bible. And I said, I think he really got saved. <laughs> Woo! 
Hallelujah. That makes me smile. And I know you get tired of hearing that, but I'm not tired of telling it. That God changed our family and changed my daddy. And one day when I die, I believe he'll be there to meet me because of the grace of God. But I'm going to tell you where it all started. It was on a Thursday night revival meeting and the pastor preached on how to reach your loved ones. And he took the text, a very unusual text, out of Romans chapter 12, I think it's verse 20, that you heap coals of fire upon them. Those that persecute you and your enemies. And he says, now your loved ones are not your enemies. What you need to do is heap coals of fire of love upon them. My mother and I came down to the altar. I think Diane had already left the church and went somewhere else. She was married. And we prayed that God would make us a vessel of love. And that we'd do everything we could not to strike back, not to fight back, not to cuss back, that's a good thing for Christians not to do. Not to cuss back. And not to, not to rail and rant back. And not to hit back. But just love. And three years later, my daddy was at the altar calling for me to come down from the pew, the preacher's pew where I was praying that he'd sing 47 verses of Just As I Am. And he wanted me to lead him to the Lord. And on his deathbed, seven years later, of cirrhosis liver, he said, what won me to the Lord was I had no answer for you and Mother and Diane's love for me. I had no answer. He saw the difference. I'm not patting myself on the back because sometimes I'd rather fight than switch when I was carnal. But God worked in my life on that night, filled me with the Spirit of God, and I went home not to irritate, but to penetrate the hardness of sin, the insecurity of World War II, the thought he had to crutch it with liquor. A lot of veterans get hung up on that. A little excuse. Well, I went through this. I deserve to be a drunk. No, you don't. It's still sin. And folks, let me just say this and I'll close. The church should be a salt shaker, not a warehouse of clumps of salt. Rather than being salt in the warehouse, God's called us to be the salt of the church. No, He didn't. The Bible says He called us to be the salt of the earth. I close with this. we got to get the salt to the lost. We need to have a testimony that's real. We need to have a urgency that's obvious. We need to have a love that's so different. We need to have a power that's beyond us. We just need to be, as the Bible says, class, you are the salt. Father, use this message. And thank you, dear God, for this simple illustration, but it's not just simple. It's divine because you wrote it, I just preached it. You said we are to be the salt of the earth and that we need to be salt that doesn't lose its saltiness. And henceforth, Lord, we're not 
good for nothing. We're good for something. And that's your glory. And that's your honor. And that's souls to be saved. God help us. God help us never to be trodden underfoot like a bunch of salt on a gravel road that's killing the weeds. But God help us to be the salt that appetizes. God help us to be the salt that Lord gives the flavor to your name. God help us to be the salt that penetrates and help us be the salt that heals. Lord, thank you for defining who we are tonight. We're salt. And what a high calling to be blessed, to be a blessing, and be the salt of the earth. With every head bowed, every eye closed. We're closing now. I, I, I tried to stretch it to 8.30 so they wouldn't get mad at me, but I can't do it anymore. But maybe the invitation will go a little while. Let me just say this. Who is it God wants you to be a pungent testimony to? You ain't got time to get depressed. You ain't got time to get involved in all this junk that's incidental compared to eternity. You ain't got time to get down and wallow in sorrow because somebody else is trying to persecute you. That's what Jesus was teaching. He said, you're the salt of the earth. So how many say preacher tonight, I want to live up to what God called me. I want to be salt. I want to be salt that makes a difference. I want to be a salt that people know is there. That it that it maybe irritates, but that's not my goal. But it just gets their attention. That there is a living God. And you're proof positive evidence of the aliveness of God when you're a salty Christian. Let me say, preacher, I need to be salt to someone that's lost. And I want you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up? God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir, and you, ma'am, and all over this place. Father, thank you for touching our hearts this morning or tonight. And thank you, God, for speaking to my heart. God, I, th- I don't think we ought to go around apologetic for being a Christian. And I definitely don't think we ought to go around being pitiful as a Christian. God, we're not victims in this victim-possessed world. Everybody's a victim. If you're black, you're a victim. If you're a, if you're a, a lady, you're a, a woman, you're a victim. If you're independent, fundamental, I guess you're a victim. No, we're victors. We're more than conquerors. And we're to be the salt. So God help us. Not to let the devil throw our testimony in the middle of the road and thus be trodden underfoot of man. But God help us to be the testimony of how great, how good, and how loving, and how powerful you really are. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name.